could be headed to the injured list. He's going to get an MRI on an injured groin left for an injury on Tuesday night. John Paul Morosi of NLB Network is reporting that the Phillies and Indians have discussed a possible Trevor Bauer trade. We don't yet know how far down the road those negotiations are, but Bauer could be moved before the trade deadline. Another name on the block could be Yasiel Puig. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic reports that Puig, quote, appears a particularly strong candidate to be moved in a trade. News and notes from around the NFL. The Packers have released defensive lineman Mike Daniels. The Colts have placed running back Spencer Ware on the active PUP list. Coach Frank Wright said it's, quote, a muscle injury that will sideline Ware for a couple of weeks. And the New England Patriots have signed tight end Lance Kendricks. I'm Dan Straffer, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And with that, we welcome you inside Studio 34. This is a BFFs. That is Frank Stample. I am Greg Sussman. EY Eric Young on the way as well. Frankie, what's happening, man? Greg, hey, happy hump day to you, buddy. What's going on? Uh, not I much. sleep last night. I haven't, haven't asked about your sleep recently. I appreciate it. Slept excellently last night. Okay. Yeah. Been Did not stay up to watch the end of that Yankee no, game. No, you know, they were, Wild game. they were down quite a bit when I was like, all right, I'm going to sleep. They were down 8-2. to two. Yeah. I thought about shutting it off at some point as well. So I did. I I watched, uh, I was watching Stranger Things, turned on the game, I was like, all right, it's going to go to bed now. You're still only halfway through Stranger Things. Yeah. I watched it twice already. Not really binging, just <laughs> taking it day by day, episode by episode. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy it, Greg. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought it was almost as good as season one. Good news is my kickball game has been rescheduled for tonight, and there's no rain in the forecast. uh, I'm hoping to go home before the game. You don't have the the kickball shoes on, though. I'm hoping to go home before the game tonight. Okay. Normally, when Greg, I can always tell when Greg's about to play kickball because he wears these dirty, raggedy shoes to work, and then he goes and plays kickball right afterwards. He's wearing nicer shoes today. Yeah, so Mondays, obviously, I, I was Doc Jock, and that airs a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense for me to stay here. To and just go straight there. go straight there. To, tonight, I'm, I'm hoping not to be here in, in, until that late. <laughs> uh, oh, so you're just bailing out after the show. No, I'm not. Right. No, no, I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm here, until, I'm here all day. Whatever you want. You're the guy. You're the executive. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm here all Actually, day. There's only one executive. There's only one executive. But um, just like... If I have to, if I if I have to stay late tonight, I'll, I'll wear these shoes. What am I gonna do? I have my gear in my bag just in case. Ready to go. I feel like we're getting closer to when you need a new pair of sneakers. By the way, I got a new pair of sneakers. Oh, you did? Yeah. You didn't show them to me. I I didn't. That means it doesn't count. Really? I don't think so. Oh, I bought a new pair of sneakers. All right. Yeah. I'm They're, excited to see them. You haven't worn them here yet. I have. I think I have. No. I don't think so. All right. Well, next time I wear them, I'll show you. All right. 
How do you know my sneaker schedule? <laughs> I just feel like every six months, Greg gets like a new pair of sneakers. Is right? I like no, it's perfectly fine. It's like a normal amount of time. Uh, yeah, so I figured we're nearing that time. You're right. I got, <laughs> a, I got a new pair of sneakers. There like you go. I have ago. it down in my calendar right here. Greg needs was, new shoes. That was pretty good. I appreciate that. How did you sleep, man? Uh, I slept all right. I went to sleep too late because I was up watching the Yankee game. Someone else who I'm sure was watching the Yankee game, Eric Young. EY, how are you doing? Did you watch the Yankees last night? We've been through this, guys. <laughs> I've been I've been going through my phone while you guys are talking about baseball, kickball, um, kickball. I'm I'm interested in that. I mean, watching you do anything athletic would be fun. I would imagine. <laughs> awesome. I, I could get behind that. I could get behind that. Oh, Ey, awesome. I joined a, I joined a dodgeball league. I feel like you'd be pretty good at that. Uh, yeah, dodgeball was uh, was one of my favorite things in gym class. I don't imagine they even allow it in schools anymore. The, the world is so. There's a better better word than wimpified, but uh, PC. the world is it's very, very wimpified. PC. Yeah, I would imagine they're not even allowed to play it anymore. One of of the greatest sports creations of all time is dodgeball. Yeah, dodgeball is awesome. Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge. That's right. The gentleman who R. played R. Rip Torhan. Very simple peace, list to follow. Recently. That's right. R.I.P. Rip. Right. There you go. Today on the program, it's going to be a fun one today because there's a lot to talk about with the Steelers and Ravens. And I think both teams are kind of polarizing in a way how you feel about their players. We've had a lot of the James Conner conversation. We're going to do that more today. We've had a lot of Juju conversation both on and off the air. We're going to do that here today. But before we get to any of that, we're going to get to one of the more polarizing aspects of fantasy football drafts. And that's the Baltimore Ravens because I think, Frank, just in general, when it comes to the Ravens, you and I are just completely different wavelengths with this team. Like, in totality, I think. I don't think I know how you feel about this, this team. Well, I think not, I know how you feel about Mark Ingram. Not as great as, <laughs> simply not as great as, as you do. Yeah, I'm and, a little bit more optimistic. You are. I'm really excited to find out where, where EY comes in. So let me start at the quarterback position. And let me start specifically with Lamar Jackson. He's going up the board at pick 138 overall. When you look at this according to the NFFC as of July 19th, Mahomes, um, excuse me, Lamar Jackson is the 19th quarterback off the board at this point. He's going behind Dak Prescott, Mitch Trubisky, Kirk Cousins, and just ahead of three players that, it's crazy to me, but Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, and my man Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, we saw last year specifically in the playoff game that when you know how to beat Lamar Jackson, a.k.a. make him throw the ball, he's beatable. There were people calling for Lamar Jackson in the playoffs last year to get benched. Bring in Joe Flacco. That's what everyone said. They didn't. They stuck with Lamar Jackson and kind of got back into it. Not really, but they kind of got back into it uh, at points during last year's playoffs. But Lamar Jackson is the quarterback of the future for Baltimore, and he is the quarterback of the right now in fantasy football leagues. Frank, we were just having a conversation that in four-point passing touchdown leagues, you're all in on Lamar Jackson. How come? Well, a lot of it has to do with uh, the safety, the floor that he provides in fantasy football because of his rushing production and the fact that Greg Roman is now the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. He replaces Marty Morningweg, and basically, Greg Roman is really good at drawing up schemes to run the football. He's going to run the football, and the last time he had a quarterback similar to Lamar Jackson, he was uh, the OC for the Buffalo Bills 
between 2015 and 2016. And Tyrod Taylor finished as the QB7 in fantasy points per game back in 2015. 20 passing touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 568 rushing yards, 5 rushing touchdowns. So Greg Roman knew how to get the most out of a similar style quarterback in Tyrod Taylor. And I think that he'll be able to do something similar with Lamar Jackson this season. I got a little bit more on him when we get back. You can also go back, Greg Roman, also the offensive coordinator for Colin Kaepernick and the San Francisco 49ers way back when. We'll get into Lamar Jackson. We'll get EY's thoughts as well. And we'll break it all down with Baltimore and Pittsburgh coming up today on the BFFs. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. A lot of notes I want to get into when it comes to Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But before I do, a bit of breaking news that concerns your Tennessee Titans, Eric Young. Taylor Luan, the starting left tackle, uh, all-pro left tackle, suspended for the first four games of the season due to failing a drug test. He actually released a video uh, on Twitter himself saying, listen, I took a banned substance having no idea uh, that I took it. Um, it was nothing on the label. I... We'll give, I did a polygraph test to prove that I didn't know what I was taking. I've never done anything like this wrong uh, in my life. The guy was in tears, but it is his responsibility. He ultimately has failed this drug test. The Tennessee Titans will be without their starting left tackle, Taylor Luan, for the first four games of the NFL season. EY, how does this affect uh, your boys, specifically Derek Henry and Marcus Mariota? That's scary, man. I mean, he's one of the highest paid uh, tackles in the game. He's one of the best left tackles Uh Buddy of mine, guy that I know pretty well. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't mean we're not best friends or anything, but uh, we were talking about. Uh, he's got a really cool podcast called Bussin' with the Boys." If you guys like uh, boys being boys, it's a it's a fun thing to watch. But that that's scary, man. I mean, he that's the linchpin of your offense is the center and the left tackle. It's it, it's obviously very important. I believe that they'll still be able to run, but it does scare me for Marcus Mariota more than anything. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, this is a an offensive line that was rated fourth overall by Pro Football Focus heading into the 2019 season. And we know that what they want to do is control the clock. They want to run the football with Derrick Henry. They want to play a smash-mouth brand of football. And obviously, being without an all-pro offensive lineman, specifically your left tackle, is a really, really big piece to lose here for the Tennessee Titans. So maybe we uh, notch things down a little bit here for Derrick Henry and specifically Marcus Mariota. Monster loss there for the Tennessee Titans who lose here Taylor Luan, their starting left tackle due to a suspension. Let's get back into the Baltimore Ravens here, and specifically Lamar Jackson. I told you that in the playoffs, when the defense forced him to pass the ball, he struggled. He passed the ball against the Chargers 29 times. He was just 14-29 for 194, did throw two touchdowns and an interception, but took seven sacks in this one. He only rushed the ball nine times, successfully, of course, 54 rushing yards. I get what you're going to say, Frank. The floor for Lamar Jackson is extremely high because of how much he runs the football. You saw since he got in the game, since he became the starter, I mean, he was running the ball almost 15 times every game. 17 rushing attempts per game was his average once he became a starter from week 11 on. 79 rushing yards per game, Greg. It was awesome. He had four touchdowns in that span as well. He was a vital part of the offense. 
The problem is, while that floor, floor for rushing the ball is extremely high, if a team is like the defense is like the Chargers and forces them to pass the ball, as a fantasy owner, that kind of scares me because he isn't really good at passing the ball. His, pa- his completion percentage is less than 60% when he was a starter. He's not a guy that's going to throw for a ton of touchdowns, right? I mean, he threw for one, two, three, four, six touchdowns total as a starting quarterback. You would say he's a bad passer, correct? I would say that, yes. So during that span, weeks 11 through 17, where do you think he ranked among fantasy quarterbacks while he was a starter? He was a bad passer, but as I mentioned, running the football, very, very good to him. So he probably ranked number seven overall. He was QB7 overall. How about that? During that stretch. How about that? Half the time, I think you looked this stuff up beforehand. and You're it, shocked and for it, my new And research. then you just, uh, you psyched me into asking so you could get it right? I did not Is that do what that. you do? No. So look, he's not a good passer. We know that, but... He's a bad passer. He, he's a bad passer, flat out. The only place he can go is up. I honestly believe that, right? Like, the only... I don't... He can't really get much worse than what he was as a passer last season, Greg. And we don't have to worry about him losing his job. It's Robert Griffin III behind him, and it's Trace McSorley. Who they drafted as like they're going to use me- running package. Meaningless, yeah. meaningless. So he's not going to lose his job. Safe floor because of the rushing. To me, the only place he can go up, the only way, the only place he could go as a passer is up. He was QB seven during the stretch, only throwing six touchdowns and three interceptions. He rushed for four touchdowns. Even if the rushing comes down a little bit, I think the passing gets better ultimately this season. He has an OC who knows how to use him. He has an elite offensive line. They surrounded him with good weapons in terms of the running game. Still have some question marks about the pass game. They have a lot of tight ends there. They draft Hollywood Brown. As of now, he's dealing with a list Frank injury. But Mark Ingram, they draft Justice Hill. There's a lot of talent on the offensive side of the football for this Baltimore Ravens team. I currently have Lamar Jackson as my QB 13. He's going off the board as QB 19 right now. I think he's a value. I really like him in super flex leagues to have him as that super flex quarterback. I, I think it's awesome. Take him, that. pair him with a veteran? Correct. Like If you take the two quarterbacks we're going to talk about today as your super flex quarterback. Love it. Love that. Love Lamar it. Jackson and Big Ben. Absolutely love that. Let me go to you, EY, when it uh, comes to Lamar Jackson here. He had just one 200-yard passing game as a starting quarterback from Week 11 on. I'm a bit concerned, as I mentioned, when he's running the football. Like, yeah, you're getting an extra seven points, almost guaranteed, because he averaged over 70 rushing yards a game, as you said. He did score four touchdowns on the four-point passing touchdown lead, Greg. That's almost two touchdowns per game he's getting on the ground just running. Yes, you're right about that, but most starting quarterbacks that you're going to draft are going to throw for way more yards than him. I mean, he... That's fair. Way more yards than him. He's averaged under... He had one 200-yard passing game. Doesn't matter. The numbers don't lie. He was QB7. They don't lie. Yeah, even as bad as a passer as he was. So, Eli, how comfortable are you taking Lamar Jackson? I think Frank nailed it. Is I don't think it's possible for him to be a worse passer. Look, he was drafted into the NFL uh, as being being a good quarterback. Um, I don't think we can even say he's a bad passer because he hasn't even thrown the ball, really, as far as volume goes. I mean, it, it, I feel like it can only go up in the passing, being in the system. He was the backup. I mean, we know that uh, if you're the backup, you're just not getting the reps during practice, during training camp that Joe Flacco was getting. And then they threw him in midseason. And he's the starting running or starting quarterback. Um, 
I feel like he'll go up, but I just feel like that he's safe. I feel like with the throwing thing, I think we heard this stuff about Michael Vick as well. Like he ran all over the place during his first season and people are like, well, he just, he can really throw the ball far, but he has no accuracy and he has no touch in this. And Michael Vick improved. I believe Lamar Jackson will improve as a quarterback. And as long as he has that running, look, this is fantasy football. A running quarterback can be deadly. I mean, even throwing the ball as little as he did last year, like we, you guys said, he was still quarterback seven. I mean, that's, that's amazing. We saw that plenty with both Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, that they could be very, very successful uh, in fantasy football with their legs. And Michael Vick, you know, was, num- was in a contention in his pride to be the number one overall player taken. Forget number one quarterback because of his legs. Cam Newton, even more recently, same thing because of those legs, because he is the goal line running back. That's how vital those legs can be in fantasy football. Now, I will say this. The floor is just an interesting word to use around Lamar Jackson because you're arguing, hey, the floor is going to be high because you're guaranteed, almost, almost guaranteed seven points from his legs every single week. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous because if he gets shut down like the Chargers shut him down, the passing is not enough to make up for it. But, counter-arguing myself, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously. Because, Inception counter-argument. Because in that postseason game against the Chargers, and if you remember it, he was horrible. He was horrible in that game. He still gave you 5.4 points on the ground, taking away anything he did with his arm. He then gave you another 8 points passing the ball. He threw for 194 yards, so about 200 yards, right? Yep. So that's another 14 points right there. And he threw for a so touchdown, So 14 points right? total. He threw for two touchdowns. Exactly. So four points. Anything that's he eight. does as a passer, Greg, you're is at, a bonus. You're man. at about 20 points for Lamar Jackson. You're like, all right, cool. And he sucked. And you can argue that he's a better, and this is crazy, hot take, you can argue he's a better athlete than Michael Vick. You really can. Not going to do mean, that. And his Louisville pro-, pro day, he ran a 4-3-40. As a quarterback, this is insane. Again, like you don't have to be a good NFL quarterback to be a good fantasy quarterback. We need to continue you know, dissecting that, Greg, and, and, and making that distinction. Because do you, do you Josh guys, Allen uh, is not a good NFL quarterback, but he is a great it. fantasy quarterback. Eric, do you make, do you, what do you make of all of these reports you're, we're reading from Baltimore this um, offseason saying, hey, we need more balance for Lamar Jackson. He has to throw the ball more. He can't run as, more, as much. He's got to be safer. What do you take from all those reports? I mean, like, we're going to hear all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, and we've said this before. I know I've definitely said it. We can only pay attention to what they do. They let their franchise quarterback, Joe Flacco, go. This is their guy. The offense is going to be based around him and his running ability. It's very apparent that his running ability is superior to his throwing ability. And what the number one thing we have to learn from this is even though he barely threw the ball, and when he did, he wasn't good at it. He had one of the highest percentages of bad throws in the NFL. He was still the quarterback seven. This is a fantasy show. We are talking about fantasy football. Lamar Jackson is a fantasy quarterback one. Lamar Jackson, during his weeks as a starting quarterback from weeks 11 to 17, finished as the seventh, finished seventh in the NFL in rushing during that time. All right, we'll take a break. Speaking of rushing, who's the new running back in Baltimore they need to pick up? It's Mark Ingram. How early are you drafting him? We'll tell you next. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Fantasy football season is now upon us. The season-long drafts are in full swing. The Roto Experts have you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content each and every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football that you play. Save 10% at RotoExperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package is available only at rotoexperts.com. Frankie, EY, and myself, Danny downstairs, hanging out with Ventra as well. We're talking about the Ravens, and we got a really nice Lamar Jackson discussion. Frank asked me during the break, did I sway you with Lamar Jackson? And I said, in all honesty, yeah, I feel uh, a whole lot different about Lamar Jackson than I did uh, 25 minutes ago. Now the question is, can you do the same when it comes to Mark Ingram? Now, Mark Ingram will be playing for his first new team ever since... He is a saint for his entire career. He goes over to a team that wants to run the football in the Baltimore Ravens. They want to have success. And previously, Frank, last year, his guy was Alex Collins. Not much success running the football. Of course, he got in on Gus Edwards later in the year, and that worked out fine. Gus Edwards was good, but it was a bit inconsistent. And that's the, number, that's the word that really comes to mind with me when it comes to Mark Ingram. Will he be treated as a true bell cow? Something that he hasn't had, well, in forever uh, with New Orleans, especially after they drafted Alvin Kamara. Will he play on third downs? A report comes out today. Yeah, he's their third down guy as well. If he's getting all these carries in an offense that wants to run the football, well, Mark Ingram could finish, uh, certainly, as a top 10 running back. Currently, he's going off the board as the 21st ranked running back, just behind Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, on Johnson as well, and just in front of David Montgomery, my guy Kenyon Drake, and of course, Philip Lindsay. Frank, he's going off the board right at the end of the fourth round. Why do you like Mark Ingram so much? Everything that we've talked about so far today has revolved around the Ravens wanting to be a run-first football team. I know that they want more balance, but this is something that Greg Roman is very familiar with. Again, when he was with the Bills back in 2015, they led the league in rushing behind Tyrod Taylor and LaShawn McCoy. Over 2,400 rushing yards, they averaged 4.8 yards per carry. And last year, the Ravens were first in rushing attempts. They were second in the NFL in rushing. So... As much as they want to throw the ball more, I think that there will be more balance, but everything about the personnel that they've brought in and the fact that they have a really good offensive line and the fact that Lamar Jackson, just having him on the field, that creates running lanes for running backs that you don't normally see with a traditional quarterback because defenses have to account for Lamar Jackson taking off and just having them on their heels for that extra second gives more opportunity for a running back to get out in space and make plays. And I I do think that... Mark Ingram is going to be the starting running back for this team. Everyone's going to point to the fact that he's turning 30 years old this year in December. He's not your typical 30-year-old running back. He has just three seasons over 200 carries in his career. You know, earlier on in his Saints career, he was used kind of sparingly. Uh, Last year, he had the suspension. He's been sharing work with Alvin Kamara the past couple of seasons. 
Uh, his, he's never had more than 230 carries in a single season. He's a good pass catcher. He's two seasons of 50-plus receptions, an 80% catch rate in his career. And there are 170 carries that are unaccounted for from last year's Ravens team to this year, which included Alex Collins, which is no longer there. Rest in peace, Alex Collins. No, he's still alive. Just rest in peace, his fantasy value. I learned, my, uh, I learned from my mistakes last year with that. Buck Allen is now gone. There was 137 carries to Gus Edwards. Is he going to get that many carries again this year? Uh, there were 60 to Kenneth Dixon. It's just... There's 367 running back carries from last year that are basically up for grabs. Mark Ingram doesn't even need all of them. If he gets between 220 and 240 carries this year with 30 to 40 receptions, that's 270, 280 touches this year behind a really good offensive line with a running quarterback. That's a recipe for success when it comes to fantasy football. And Greg, I know you mentioned Alex Collins. The year before that, it was Terrence West. The year before that, it was Justin Forsett. Seems like every single year we have a Ravens running back like this that burns us. Gus Edwards is closer to those running backs than Mark Ingram is. Mark Ingram is more talented. He's more proven. If Gus Edwards were entering the season as a starter, I think you can point to Gus Edwards being closer to like Alex Collins and Terrence West and and retreads like that. Mark Ingram is more proven than those guys. I love where he's going right now. I have him as my RB20. And as you mentioned, Greg, I think he has top 12 RB upside. Mark Ingram is 29 years old, as Frank points out, though. Yeah, that's just an age, given the amount of carries that he has. He's always, for the most part, shared carries. It's not like he's been overworked. EY, is Mark Ingram somebody that you are targeting this season? I don't know about targeting, but uh, Frank brought up a lot of good points. I mean, history has shown us that when there's a running quarterback, the starting running back or the running back that's going to be on the field the most and see the most volume usually benefits. And I don't see any reason for that to not be a thing. I still like Gus Edwards. Um, he came on big time when he was given the opportunity. So I don't feel like Ingram's going to be a true bell cow with Edwards there, Dixon there. I mean, like they have a bunch of running backs, but this is going to be a running team. The quarterback is a running quarterback, and that's going to open a tons of lanes and lots of opportunity for Mark Ingram when he gets the ball. I think I have him at 28-29. Um, so I'm not as high on on him as Frank is, but I mean, I I wouldn't be afraid to have him as my second running back for sure. Mark Ingram, you're, you're right. And that was one of the reasons that I was hesitant on him because Edwards is still there. Kent Dixon is still there. They drafted a running back as well. Justice Hill. Justice Hill. That's right. Who I like a lot as well. But in fairness, the reports coming today were that Mark Ingram is expected to be the third down back. If you're giving all of these carries... To Mark Ingram, I see little reason why he shouldn't have success. But the Ravens, I do wonder, because Lamar Jackson can't pass the ball, if they're just continuing to stack the box and make it harder for Ingram. I don't know. I don't know. I just think, again, having that threat of Lamar Jackson on the field, I mean, we've seen splits when, you know, they've pointed it out when LaShawn McCoy played with Michael Vick versus when he didn't play with Michael Vick. His yards per carry went up. Same thing when he played with the Bills uh, with Tyrod Taylor versus anyone else, whether it was, uh, I don't even know if him and Fitzpatrick played together, but whatever Bills quarterback that was like a traditional quarterback, LaShawn McCoy's yards per carry, and his rushing efficiency went up every single time that he had a running quarterback as his quarterback. So I just think that this is a really, really good situation. Again, really, really good offensive line. The Ravens' offensive line ranked 11th, according to Pro Football Focus, heading into the season here. I'm not as worried about Gus Edwards 
again, and, and there's still 367 running back carries from last year that they need to fill this season. So, obviously, Mark Ingram's not going to get all of them. There's still a chance that Gus Edwards can get, you know, six to eight carries per game, and, and that would be fine. I do like Justice Hill as well. I'll throw his name out there. Why can't Mark Ingram and Justice Hill be the Ravens' version of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara? Justice Hill, and I'm not comparing him directly to Alvin Kamara, but the type of athlete that he is, he was like the second-highest spark score uh, running back uh, coming out of college this past season. He was like a 4.4440, 97th percentile. His burst score was in the 95th percentile. Like Justice Hill is a ridiculously, ridiculously good athlete at Oklahoma State. Here's a fun fact for you, Greg. While playing at Oklahoma State, Justice Hill actually forced Chris Carson into a complimentary role. So take that for whatever it's worth. Obviously, Chris Carson has performed very well at the NFL level, and Justice Hill, the running back who was at Oklahoma State with him, forced him into that complimentary role while at college. So I think that they drafted him for a reason, and I think they kind of want that to be their, you know, Thunder and Lightning duo in the backfield, Mark Ingram and Justice Hill. I'm, I'm drafting Justice Hill as like the complimentary handcuff, taking him everywhere in best ball as well. I'm really excited about him, and I still think that there's enough carries to go around that Gus Edwards gets maybe like his five to seven or six to eight carries per game. So not really, not really overly concerned that any of these guys, immediately anyway, out of the gate, are going to steal anything from Mark Ingram. Not really. No. Again, if he's between 220 and 240 carries, like mm-hmm. that's not your... Okay, top five running back in the sure. league in and terms you're, you're of touches. But again, you're getting him in the fourth round. So, And I think that there's upside there. There's, there's ability for him to improve on his draft stock being drafted as like RB21 or whatever you mentioned. I think that he can finish higher than that in fantasy football. We talked about how Lamar Jackson doesn't really have the ability to throw the ball all that well. So let me get to his wide receivers. And they drafted Hollywood Brown uh, early on in the NFL draft. They bring back Willie Sneed. Chris Morris here as well. They've also signed Michael Floyd uh, and Joe Horn. Probably not uh, Joe Horn from the Saints, but (laughs) it's different Joe Horn. Uh, But anyway, the wide receivers, Willie Sneed, Hollywood Brown, Chris Moore. Are you taking a shot, EY, on any of these guys? I feel like right now, late in best ball, I'm I'm, I'm kind of grabbing Marquise Brown as a as a strategy that I'm I'm uh, kind of implementing this year and just trying to find number one wide receivers. I believe he's going to be the number one wide wide receiver. He can really rip down the field. Um, they're going to have to respect the run game. They're going to have to respect the fact that Lamar Jackson might be the best rushing quarterback in the league, and that's going to leave a lot of downfield opportunity for people like brown so he's a guy that i mean right now in best ball you can get him really late like your you know second to to last pick third to last or even sometimes last pick he's the number one wide receiver on the team they're going to throw the ball more than they did last year he was a rookie um the running obviously was working and and now he's been in the program for a whole offseason and they'll be ready i mean they're he's not going to be drew Brees. he's not going to be you know pat mahomes or anything like that but the, the throwing will improve so marquise brown i feel is a guy that you can get late that could pay dividends how concerned are you about marquise brown's foot yeah this is kind of something i, I spoke about yesterday i don't like when first year players or young players or players changing teams are not really part of training camp and that's going to be the case for Marquise Brown, uh, at least to start here, he's dealing with this Liz Frank injury, and plus he's 
he has a really, really slight frame, too. He's like 165 pounds, 5'10". The guy can fly. Like, he's extremely, extremely fast. And I realized that. And he was very, very productive at Oklahoma the past couple of years with Baker Mayfield and obviously with Kyler Murray. I don't mind him for best ball, but overall in redraft, probably not someone that I'm targeting. Miles Boykin. A little, little bit interested in him, right? He was their third-round rookie that they drafted. All right. Sure. Big guy. Right. Six foot three, 220. Let's to the Steelers. <laughs> we'll do that next. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Back with you, BFFs, Fantasy Sports Radio Network here on SportsGrid, presented by SportsGrid. Frank Stample, Eric Young, Greg Sussman. And Frank, during the break, you said you wanted to mention a popular sleeper breakout tight end, and that's Mark Andrews. Yeah, Mark Andrews is getting some hype across the fantasy industry right now, and I will mention that I think that he is a good athlete. He was very productive at Oklahoma as well, played with Baker Mayfield. He averaged 16.2 yards per catch last season. He had... Two ridiculously long catches while Lamar Jackson was the quarterback down the stretch from week 11 on. He had a 74-yard catch. He had a 68-yard touchdown against the San Diego Chargers, I believe. San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers. I believe that was like a Saturday night game last year where he had uh, that that monster touchdown. Um, But I'll just throw his name out there because he is getting some hype. I'm not necessarily in on him because I just don't know how much, again, the Ravens are going to pass the ball, how great they're going to be at passing the ball, and the fact that there's two other tight ends in the mix here as well, right? So there was three different tight ends that played 30% or more of the snaps for the Ravens last year. Like Hayden Hurst was a first-round pick for this team, and and uh, I believe it's Nick Boyle was in the mix as well. So you know, they have three tight ends. I get that Mark Andrews is probably the best athlete, probably the best pass catcher, but I'll just bring his name up as someone in a best ball as your second tight end or if you're just streaming tight ends early on you just wait wait till like the first, the last round to take your tight end Mark Andrews is going to be in the mix there for fantasy football purposes also do you want to mention you talked about Hayden Hurst Nick Boyle also there so there's three tight ends that are getting playing time in Baltimore yeah like that's my defense against Mark Andrews and that's what I would say to anyone who's excited about him but I just keep hearing his name pop up like all these podcasts yeah. all these things I'm reading Everyone's talking about Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews. I get it. He's a good player, but we also have to factor in situation. There's two other tight ends. Lamar Jackson is still a raw quarterback that we're hoping gets better. They drafted Hollywood Brown. They want to get him involved. They drafted Miles Boykin. They want to get him involved. Is there really going to be that many targets to go around for Mark Andrews? I don't know. I lean towards no. Speaking of tight ends, that's where I'm going to introduce us here to the Pittsburgh Steelers because another popular breakout tight end, as he has been many times prior, guys, that's Vance McDonald. The big story, of course, with Pittsburgh is losing Le'Veon Bell and losing Antonio Brown. That opens up a ton of targets and a ton of opportunities. We're going to talk about all these pass catchers uh, coming up in the next half hour or so. Now, Vance McDonald is where I'm starting. I know it's not where people would want us to start, but 
we got to talk about Vance because Jesse James is gone. Vance McDonald is the only tight end, we think, that's going to do anything. Xavier Grimble. Oh, screw it. There was a report that came out today that he'll play three times as much as he did last year. Screw Xavier Well, of course, Grimble, that's man. by necessity because if, Jesse James isn't there anymore. If Vance McDonald can stay healthy, he's going to be a major, major weapon for Pittsburgh. But EY, can Vance McDonald stay healthy? That that's the big question. I think he showed, uh, you know, in a few games last year that he is a legitimate tight end in the league. He's he's a good pass catcher. He's a big body, and they they don't have that. I mean, uh, Juju Smith Schuster is not not big. Moncrief uh, has a bit of size. Um, Washington is is a deep guy, but he he's not a big bodied either. Fizz McDonald is going to be a red zone freak, I believe. He's I've got him as a, a tight end tier two, just outside of that top five. I got like him. Uh, Evan Ingram, Jared Cook, all kind of in the, the same area. So if I don't get one of those first five, I want one of those other three, or it's going to be a nightmare situation. You so, talked about McDonald, I'm high on him. You talked about the same thing, Frank, that you want one of those top five. If you don't get one of those top five, there's like a core group of three, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think he's in that exact mix. I have him ranked as my tight end eight right now, just behind Jared Kick, Cook. But I think that both guys are in... Uh, in a similar spot here, uh, Jared Cook goes over to the New Orleans Saints. We saw how productive he could still be. Jared Cook, Bigfoot, as uh, some would like to call him. He disappears when you need him most. But you know what? Last year, he was really good with the Oakland Raiders and uh, with Derek Carr throwing in the ball. So now he goes over to play with Drew Brees. And we know that those targets are so concentrated on New Orleans with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. So Jared Cook goes into a good spot there. And I believe the same thing to be true for Vance McDonald. He only played 54% of the snaps last year. Jesse James played 50% of the snaps, so he was obviously eating into that, and there would just be random weeks. I remember this last year, Greg, where we would think this was the right week to stream Vance McDonald, and it would turn out turn out that Jesse James would get in the mix, and he would do just enough to piss fantasy owners off. Jesse James is no longer here. I don't expect Xavier Grimble to be much of the uh, to be part of the passing game. He's probably going to be in more as a blocking tight end. Correct. But Vance McDonald. He's proven. He He's a player at the NFL level. We all saw that stiff arm last year on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, this is a grown-ass man, Vance McDonald. He just needs to stay on the field. There's a lot of targets to go around. they got to replace all of Antonio Brown's production and obviously anything that Jesse James chipped in. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Vance McDonald. I have him ranked inside my top eight at tight end. And I totally agree with that. I'm in on Vance McDonald with you. You look at the... Um Current NFFC ADP, and that's McDonald's number nine there. I think you can certainly make the case for him to be inside the top eight, uh, obviously. But pass catchers are not just a tight end spot. That also comes, of course, from the wide receiver position. And if you look at the wide receivers going right now, Juju Smith-Schuster is number five overall. He is going three spots ahead of his ex-teammate Antonio Brown. I'm not surprised by this, Frank, because when you we talked about this when the trade happened, I said I would take Juju over Antonio Brown. Better Even offense. before they got rid of Antonio Brown, I said I would take Juju yes, right. before Antonio Brown. That's absolutely right. Juju Smith-Schuster is unquestionably the number one wide receiver right now in Pittsburgh. We'll talk about James Washington and Dante Moncrief in just a few moments. But, Eric, how high is the ceiling for Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah, I have him number five as well. Um, I feel like the ceiling is, is all going to depend on Ben and Ben's health. I mean, he's getting older. You know, we've seen him miss games before. So if they can protect him, protect him and keep him in every game, Juju's 
could easily be the number one wide receiver this year. That's just my opinion. Um, he's got the skill set. He's young. He's fast. You know, good when contested balls, great hands, great route running. I mean, he has got everything that you want in a wide receiver one, and that's why he's going in the top five. Yeah, look at what he's produced in his first two seasons. You don't normally see a rookie wide receiver come in and produce the way that he produced two years ago. Last year, he finished as the wide receiver nine overall in fantasy football. He did that with, you know, uh, he did that with 166 targets, 111 receptions in his second season, almost 1,500 yards, seven touchdowns. And the case that I was making for him last year ahead of Antonio Brown, even while Antonio Brown was still on the team, Juju Smith-Schuster was second in the NFL in red zone targets behind only Devontae Adams. He had 29 red zone targets. That was five more than Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown had 15 touchdowns. They need to replace 15 offensive touchdowns in this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, and Juju already had more red zone usage in terms of targets last season. So even before Antonio Brown was off this team, I thought for sure the touchdowns were going up. And now, I mean, the sky is the limit. I, we could be talking about, you know, 12-plus touchdowns this year for Juju Smith-Schuster. I actually said this a couple of weeks ago when we were doing the Action Hour, Greg. You can bet right now on uh, who's going to lead the NFL in receiving touchdowns. And I think Juju Smith-Schuster is actually a pretty good bet. People want to talk about, well, he's going to see number one coverage now. He's, ne- he's never done that before. He's never played with it without Antonio Brown. That is false. Last year, without Antonio Brown in Week 17, he went 5-for-37-1. and one. Perhaps a little bit underwhelming. How about as a rookie in 2017, week 16, 6 for 75 and 1 as the number one wide receiver for the Steelers without Antonio Brown in the lineup. Week 17, all he did was get even better. Nine receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown without Antonio Brown as a rookie. And now he's entering his third season, and he plays 57% of his snaps out of the slot. They're not going to send number one cornerbacks into the slot. That just doesn't happen at the NFL level. And even if they do, guard, trying to guard a slot receiver is so hard because at least when you're out on the outside, you can pin someone to the sideline or you know that they're going to come in. When you're guarding someone in the slot, you don't know which way they're going to go. They're either going to go left, right, or they're going to go straight up the seam. And then they're going to beat you that way. So it's really, really hard to guard slot receivers. That's why we've seen an uptick in slot receiver production over the past couple of years. I love Juju Smith-Schuster this year. He's my wide receiver for the only wide receivers I had ahead of him. DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones. I think he breaks out. I think he, like EY said, has the ability to finish as the wide receiver one. I would take him ahead of Odell Beckham. I would take him ahead of, brace yourselves, Michael Thomas. I know it's crazy. I just think we have a monster year coming for Juju. I think it's an absolutely incredible year coming from Juju Smith-Schuster as well. I the sky is the limit. We talk about players and where you can get them and who could finish, not just inside the top five, but as the number one overall guy. We always related to Todd Gurley just a couple of seasons ago. I believe that's what Juju Smith-Schuster is this year. I think you're looking at an Antonio Brown type of year, and he everything is going to fall right. This offense revolves around him. It's an offense where uh, Big Ben gets locked in on a player and, and will throw it to him 20 times in a game. That's what we're about to see. As good as James Washington or Dante Moncrief could be, they're not Juju. And I do ultimately think it's kind of crazy that you haven't bought Michael Thomas. But, like, I get why you do. Because yeah. there's a lot. You know, I'm not the Drew Brees guy, and I think that the Saints just continue to run the football more this Correct. Season. Exactly. And there's just more that they can do. Um, the upside to me is higher for Juju. Like Michael Thomas might be more, more consistent, consistent on yeah. a game to game basis. I understand that. But you're talking about the ability to finish as the wide receiver one. I think Juju has a better chance at doing that 
than Michael Thomas. Do you think, and obviously you both think, that Juju should be ahead of both Odell Beckham and Tyreek Hill as well? Yeah, I don't have injury concerns when it comes to Juju Smith-Schuster. I have that for Odell Beckham. Not doubting the talent of Odell Beckham at all, but he is moving over to a new offense. He's going to have to fit in there. He's learning to, to catch passes from a new quarterback, albeit... Should be an improvement, obviously, from Eli Manning. We spoke about that yesterday. But I just think that there's a little bit more downside when it comes to Odell Beckham versus Juju. I don't have any OBJ shares yet because he's going in that same range as Juju. And whenever I have to make that decision, I always go Juju. That's why right now in drafts, and when you do your whiteboard series, I'll kind of learn a little bit more. I'm thinking for me that, like... Pick eight range is like a spot I would really like to be in potentially where you can grab a running back in that first round, come back around and get one of these top wide receivers. Potentially. We'll see Being in the late first round is not a bad spot no. to be at all because you, if Le'Veon Bell falls to you, you get your RB1 through him. You can get either, you know, if, if he's gone, you get a James Conner or Joe Mixon and you're guaranteed to get a really, really good wide receiver in that early round two range a la a Juju, a Michael Thomas, an Odell Beckham, a Mike Evans. So being in the late first round is not a bad spot to be in this year. I'm really excited. Like I said, we talked about this before in the Superflex League. I have pick 11. If I can get, I also have pick 11. We in have the pick Flex 11. League. Uh, if I can yeah. get like my guy James Conner, who we were talking about after the break. If I can get James Conner there at 11 and come back with you know a, a top wide receiver, like imagine like Devontae Adams. Like you double down on the Steelers? Is that something that you would do, or is that too much Steelers exposure? I James Conner and Juju. I would do it. I mean, it's a pretty good offense to get a bunch of shares of, isn't it? I would. I would do it. I think I agree with you. Yeah. All right. Um. All right, before we hit the break, we have, about a, we have about a minute. I want to get into Dante Moncrief versus James Washington. I think this is the time to do it. If you had to choose one, EY, which one would you choose? Right now, I'm, I'm going Moncrief. I'm leaning that. Like I have them very close in my rankings, but I believe uh, his size, he's, he's got a little more size than, than Washington. And Washington had, you know, there was definitely a few games last year where he was the number two, and, and he didn't really show us a whole lot. Moncrief has, has flashed before. Um, I believe in this kind of an offense where he's not going to be the number one, he's not going to be leaned on um, a lot. Uh, is is a good place for Moncrief, and I, what you were just saying about look, there's there's a few a few offenses in the NFL where you just want as many pieces of those offenses as possible because they're going to score points. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are definitely one of those offenses. So you know Moncrief and and even Washington. Washington was a guy who was drafted pretty highly, unbelievable speed. Um, so we'll see. But I'm I'm right now I'm leaning Moncrief, but that could change come training camps depending on what happens. This is a situation to pay attention to a lot during training camp. It wouldn't surprise me if Washington and Moncrief both start on the outside, and then you have Juju in the slot and three wide receiver sets. But it's something to pay attention to in training camp, Greg. This is probably one of the hardest questions for me to answer along the lines of like Geronimo Allison versus Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Very similar to me. It's not as similar to me, and I'll tell you why uh, when we come back. I'll answer that question. We'll get into Big Ben, and we'll finish up the hour next. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Final three minutes here of hour one, fantasy hour. 
We're wrapping up talking about James Washington versus Dante Moncrief. And for me, I said it wasn't all that hard. And that's because I'm buying the James Washington hype. He's going about six spots or so higher uh, at the moment in the NFFC. And although Dante Moncrief is only entering his age 26 season, he's been around a while. And he had his greatest success, not surprisingly, uh, with Andrew Luck. Other than when he was being thrown the ball by Andrew Luck, it's been bad, right? I mean, it's it's been bad. Last year, with Blake Bortles as the quarterback, 668 yards, three touchdowns. The year before, with Jacoby Brissett, just 26 receptions as he battled injuries. And um, 26 receptions for two touchdowns, 391 yards. year before, with Andrew Luck, with him battling injuries and Luck battling injuries, he had seven touchdowns, but just 30 receptions there. Um, he's had one one season where he really put it all together. As Frank was saying to me during the break, you trust the Steelers and they're drafting and they're evaluating and they're scouting of wide receivers. I know they signed Dante Moncrief. I don't know that they signed him to be the number two guy. I think James Washington has a higher ceiling and I think he could be in store for a breakout here, EY. You believe that about Washington? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, at, the, at this point, we just I feel you just got to wait for uh, training camp. I mean, look, I, I'm not waiting as in not drafting either of these guys, but right now, now I'm taking Moncrief in front of him, but I could be completely wrong. So the only drafts I'm doing right now are best balls. So, you know, you, you, you don't have to make the decision between the two. If one of them is good, then they go off. And that's why I was saying earlier, you want as many pieces of this Pittsburgh offense as possible. My opinion is Moncrief will be the better value there, but I think, I think Washington will be an okay guy, but more of a boom bust kind of player. Yeah, I just want as much exposure. Like, I, I'll i take whoever's going later right now that's Dante Moncrief. I would agree with you, Greg. I think James Washington has more upside overall. The Steelers are just really, really good at evaluating wide receiver talent and you know drafting wide receivers. We've seen that for years now, from Antonio Brown to Juju to Emmanuel Sanders to Mike Wallace. They're really, really good at this. James Washington was phenomenal at Oklahoma State, too. Just around 4,500 yards, 39 touchdowns. There's a lot to like with James Washington. We're going to take a break here. Once again, we'll bleed into the action hour because I want to put some action in our guy, James Conner. Where do we have him? How much do we trust him? Are we buying these reports? We'll let you know. Next.
Couldn't catch the live show? Yes. Make sure to download our podcast at the FNTSY Sports Network Audio Boom channel. Oh, super. 